Welcome to Torah Today Ministries and our continuing series, Tehillim Talks, Studies in the Psalms. In this episode, we find ourselves in Psalm 21, the sister psalm to Psalm 20. These two psalms form a bridge between all the 19 psalms that precede them and the next 14, 15 psalms or so after them. Let me explain. I, I mentioned this in our study of Psalm 20, but let's review it here because it's very important. Psalms 1 to 19 parallel the Shemona Ezri or the, the Amidah prayer, this ancient prayer of Israel that's prayed three times a day by observant Jewish people. Uh, the first two psalms, if you recall, were originally one psalm. So these 19 psalms parallel the 18 facets of the 18-faceted prayer called the Shemona Ezri, which means 18. And then in Psalm 22, it opens with these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you probably recognize those as the words Yeshua spoke from the cross. In fact, all of Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm describing in detail the crucifixion of Yeshua, a psalm written a thousand years before Yeshua was born. But as you go from Psalm 22 to 23 and on up to Psalm about 31, I believe it is, it says there in Psalm 31, into your hands I commit my spirit. Again, these are words Yeshua spoke from the cross, the words he spoke directly before he died. So we see this group of Psalms, 1 to 19, paralleling the Shimon Ezra, and then 22 through 31, which I call Messiah's Discourse from the Cross, because it really gives us a picture into the heart and soul of Yeshua, the things he was experiencing, and the faith he had while he was bearing the sins of the world on the cross. And then bridging these two large groups of Psalms, we have Psalms 20 and 21. Psalms 20 and 21 are like a pair of shoes. They're kind of opposite of each other, but identical at the same time. And several people have described these two Psalms as, uh, well, Psalm 20 as a prayer for victory for the king as he goes into battle. And Psalm 21 as a hymn of praise to God for the victorious return of the king. So we're asking for God to give the king victory in 20. We're praising him for the king's victorious return in 21. Now, when you think about this, this is a, a great way to introduce Psalms 22 to 31. These, these Psalms, which I believe depict Yeshua's soul, what's in his mind while he's bearing the sins of the world. It, it reminds me of uh, a Shakespeare play. Most of the Shakespeare plays I've read begin with uh, one of the actors coming out to the edge of the stage and addressing the audience and basically describing what the play is about. And in fact, we'll sometimes even give the moral of the play before the play even begins. So he may give some background, he'll give some things of interest that are going on, but he gives the, the context of the play. I think Psalms 20 and 21 do this for what's about to follow. Now, 
Let's uh, jump right into Psalm 21. It's a fairly short psalm, a little longer than 20, but uh, there are a number of parallels that we'll see right at the end of this teaching. So let's begin. It opens the same way as Psalm 20, to the conductor, a psalm of David. And then it says in the first two verses, O Adonai, in your strength the king rejoices. And in your Yeshua, the word for salvation in Hebrew is Yeshua, how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. Selah. Now, you may be wondering, why did I put this letter P and letter S, and there's another S there and a letter P there at the beginnings of these phrases? This is something you'll see me doing as we continue through the Psalms to represent parallel phrases, but with a slight difference. It's very common in the Psalms for there to be a pair of phrases that kind of say the same thing. But on closer examination, one of them will be referring to something physical and the other to something spiritual. Sometimes the spiritual is first, followed by the physical. Sometimes the physical before the spiritual. For example, we'll be coming to a psalm later on where it says, um, For with your hand you created, you formed the earth, and with your right hand you stretched out the heavens. So one's referring to the physical, one's referring to the spiritual, because the left hand is always physical, and the right hand is always the spiritual. So if we look closely at this, and if I'm not reading too much into it, it says, in your strength the king rejoices. So I put the letter P there, because when God exercises strength, it's usually something that's evident in the physical world. It's a change in the lives of people, or in the creation and order of nature itself. So in your strength, the king rejoices. In your Yeshua, now right there, there's something hidden. Because not only is it referring to the salvation of the king, the rescue of the king, but it's referring to the king himself, Yeshua, which is hidden in this phrase. In your Yeshua, how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire. Now, the desires of your heart are something that are hidden. They're in your heart. They're not on the outside. They're on the inside. And have not withheld the request of his lips. Now, the lips are external. When you request something with your mouth, now it comes out into the physical world. So, again, we see something spiritual compared with something physical. Now, this word desire is the word toava. In Hebrew, there you see it. And as I was reading this psalm in Hebrew, I came across this word and it reminded me of another word we find often in the Torah, and that's the word toeva. They sound similar toava, toeva. But one is a desire, it can be a very righteous desire, but toeva is an abomination. And I thought to myself, just because you desire something with your heart, we need to be careful that it is a righteous desire. Because sometimes a toeva, we may think it's simply a, a toava. And so let's be careful to make sure we don't confuse and make the desires of our heart something that is an abomination in God's sight. But let's make sure our desires are in line with His. And then in verses 3 through 7, I love this passage. It's just so beautiful. 
that there's not much need for me to comment on it. It says, For you, referring to the Lord, preceded him with blessings of goodness. And this could also be translated as blessings of the good one. Because in Hebrew, it comes out as the blessings of the good, which could be the good one or goodness. You placed a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. Now, he uses two phrases, length of days and then forever and ever. It's almost like it's, it's talking of a long life on earth, but eternal life after. His glory is great through your Yeshua. And there's the word Yeshua again, salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in Adonai. And through the steadfast love of Elion, he shall not be moved. So we see that God has granted uh, uh, the king the request of his lips. He's returned victorious. God's placed a crown on his head. And it's almost like before Yeshua's sufferings that begin in chapter or Psalm 22, God is always telling us this is going to be the outcome because I know the end from the beginning. And then it continues in verses 8 through 12. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Now, it doesn't tell us which hand. Is it the left hand or the right hand? But then it says your right hand will find out those who hate you. So again, I put the letter P before the first hand and the letter S before the right hand. An interesting thing is that you'll never see God's left hand referred to in Scripture. It's nowhere in Scripture. Never a single time does it refer to God's left hand. But his right hand appears many times in Scripture. Because you see, God is spirit, and the right always represents the spiritual. Throughout Scripture, if you see left and right of anything, left is physical, right is spiritual. Don't, make, don't think that left is bad and right is good. Just that one's physical, one's spiritual. That's it. Nothing more. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, it says the heart of the fool is to the left, but the heart of the wise is to the right, to the spiritual. So here we see the left hand implied because it doesn't tell us which hand. It says you will find out all your enemies. Your right hand, this is the spiritual side, you'll find out those who hate you. So enemies are something you can pretty much see physically. You can tell because of their actions. But hatred is something that can be hidden in the heart. They can be something very much out of view, but not hidden from God's right hand. His spirit will search out the inner workings of a man's heart. Let's go on with verse 9. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. Adonai will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will consume them. You will destroy their seed from the earth, and their offspring from among the sons of man, of Adam. You can translate that man or Adam. I went ahead and translated it literally as Adam. Though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed. For you will put them to flight. 
you will aim at their faces with your strings. And bow is implied. The word bow, keshet, is not there. But what other strings would they be other than bow strings? But you know what? It's a good question. What are the kind of strings are referred to in Scripture? They're the harp strings. And I think that the strings of praise are like spiritual weapons against the enemy. And when we praise God, when we praise His Messiah, it's a weapon against the forces of darkness because darkness is defeated by light. There's much here about fire and wrath and destruction. And when we read these, we tend to think of these in human terms of physical destruction and pain and death. But our God is much higher than us. His thoughts and his ways are, are beyond finding out. And one of the ways that God destroys his enemies is to make him friends, to make them friends. Because probably many of you were at one time enemies of God. He destroyed you. His holy fire came upon you and destroyed the seed of your hatred, destroyed the offspring of your resistance to him, to where now you're his friend. And your seed is now a holy seed, and your offspring is spiritual fruit. Whenever you see God's fire, it's always the fire of his holiness. And fire is both destructive to things that can be burned, but it preserves and purifies those things that cannot. And all of us, all of our deeds pass through the fire. What is consumed needs to be consumed. But what, is in, what endures his fire? Well, it's only purified by it. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they went through the fiery furnace. The only thing that was consumed were the ropes that tied them and bound them. But they came through purified. So when we think of God's destruction and destruction of enemies, we can't think of it in exactly the same terms as we think of destruction of physical enemies. Because God is spirit and his war is spiritual. and He's out to destroy whatever could be shaken and destroyed and burned spiritually. That which is not eternal. That which is dark. That which is destructive. So that which is true and pure can endure and abide for eternity. God loves destroying enemies by making them his friends. Then the enmity is gone. It's gone. The enemies have been destroyed but the number of friends have been increased. But I'm really taking a rabbi trail here into something that I, I'm sure I'll be talking about in a future teaching. So the final verse is verse 13. Be exalted, O Adonai, in your strength. We will sing and chant your power. What a, a glorious, glorious hymn of praise to God for his victory. Now, what I've done, just for fun, and you can take this and, and run with it and find more things, is uh, I, I've made a brief comparison of Psalms 20 and 21. And I've taken similar um, sentiments in Psalm 20 and 21 and identical words that are found in both Psalms. 
and I just jump back and forth between 20 and 21. So I will, uh, if you can see this in the notes, and I hope that when you're listening at a podcast that you will definitely go to our website, print out the notes, or at least look at them, because there are many things in the notes that simply don't come across in the audio version. And you can see here that I have on the left side of the page, excerpts from Psalm 20 in black print. And on the right, I have excerpts from Psalm 21 in red print. So to help you who can't see this at the moment because you're driving a car or walking in the park, I'll precede each of these with a 20 or 21. So here we go. 20. May he grant you your heart's desire. 21. You have given him his heart's desire. 20. And fulfill all, his, all your plans. 21. Though they plan evil against you. 20. May we shout for joy over your salvation. 21. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. And in your salvation how greatly he exalts. His glory is great through your salvation. 20. May Adonai fulfill all your petitions. 21. You have not withheld the request of his lips. 20. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. 21. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. 20. We trust in the name of Adonai our God. 21. For the king trusts in Adonai. 20. They collapse and fall. 21. Though they devise mischief, they will not succeed, for you will put them to flight. 20. But we rise and stand upright. 21. We will sing and praise your power. 20. O Adonai, save the king. May he answer us when we call. 21. O Adonai, in your strength the king rejoices, for the king trusts in Adonai. I'm sure there are more parallels to be discovered between these two brief psalms. But again, they're like a pair of shoes or a pair of gloves. There's a left and a right. There's one preceding the king going into battle. And there's one praising God for his victorious return. And what a wonderful way to preface the psalms that are about to come. Psalms 22 through 31. So, I am really looking forward to 22. I have to confess that from the very moment I started this saw a series of, of a psalm studies, it was 22, Psalm 22, I was really looking forward to getting into in this upcoming series. So I'm excited for what's around the corner and hope you are too. And I suggest you read ahead and start familiarizing yourselves with these upcoming psalms so that when we get into them, Um, they'll mean even more to you than they would otherwise. So, until I see you again in Psalm 22, I wish you shalom and may God bless. Mm